When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Get to the Good Part. My name is Ryan. This is Chris. And I'm Aaron. And we're coming at you today with Chapter 19 of Ready Player One. But before we begin, we want to talk about something that we're very, very excited about. Hopefully we can get this out before that happens. But on March 1st, we are going to the Gunter Mecca. We are going to Columbus, Ohio to meet the man himself. Ernest Klein, he's doing a book signing and a speech there. Um, it's it's Ernest Klein in his hometown. Columbus, as we know at this point in the book, is central to the story. And uh, it's one month before the release of the movie. I could not be more fucking excited. I gotta be honest. I'm I'm I I I don't even know what to say. Like I'm just I'm just extremely excited what about you guys amen brother you know i just i i watched i watched atari game over and i didn't realize when i started watching that that ernest klein was a a big character within that documentary he's central to it yeah yeah well i didn't realize that so the minute they kind of switched to him picking up his car from what is it r R. martin george r r martin Martin. he's picking up like (laughs) george r R. martin was like can i borrow your car yeah, you can borrow my DeLorean. And then he goes and picks up the DeLorean, throws an E.T. in the passenger seat, and drives down <laughs> to, to is it New Mexico, Nevada, yeah, wherever yeah. wherever the middle of the desert is where this dump is, in this little podunk town. Middle Wasn't of- it Alamogordo, New Mexico? It was, it was, yeah, yeah. And I was like, holy crap, that's awesome. And they gave him, like, some speaking time, and he kind of reflected on the game and, and his Zach view of Penn it. Zach was there, too. I, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, Zach Penn, who's who's also writing Ready Player One, the movie. He he, he okay. like co-wrote the screenplay with Ernest Klein. He was a big central part of it too. In fact, if you fo- if you follow Zach Penn on Twitter, mm-hmm. the uh, picture that he has is from that movie. Well, I you know what? There's a good chance that I just simply missed him, or he was pivotal, but I didn't catch his name. Oh yeah, I think was he one of the guys that was pushing it? Like he was out there like interviewing the guys with yes. the hardware equipment. He's out there. It's like. What's that thing? Well, that thing's used yeah. for laying concrete. Well, that's really big. So, are we going to bring it out there? We're going to use that. And they're like, no. And he's like, well, are you just are we going to park it out near where we're going to do it? Because it's really <laughs> big and yellow. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And he's like, okay. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like him. Uh, but it was just it was cool. It was neat to see that. And I don't think I'd ever heard. I hadn't really seen any interviews outside of him promoting the movie and maybe the book. But it was just kind of him reflecting on his obsession and and his love of the game and his sympathy for the guy that wrote E.T. I, I'm not sure that I agree that it's one of the better Atari games, but I certainly don't think it was the worst. And at, by the end of the game, by the end of the movie, I was just feeling so bad for the guy that wrote the software. Because he's, <laughs> well, he's freaking when tearing you hear up. The, when you hear the story about what he was up against, that timeline and everything like that, you're just like, man, what what could you have done? 
oh my god, as a developer, when when I when I heard what he was saying, it's like we got to have this game out in five weeks. Oh yeah, I can do that. I was like, oh god, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's like coding twenty four seven for five weeks in a row to get this shit out before Christmas. Uh, just just phenomenal, really, just phenomenal. Like I wouldn't even consider taking on something like that or committing to something like that. It's just wild. But outside of the uh, the ET gaming franchise, which is <laughs> thin and, and, and riddled with controversy, oh, yeah. I don't know what side everybody stands on. But uh, but yeah, we're going to Sirius Klein. It's going to be awesome. We're going up to Columbus, Ohio again. That's March first. If you can make it out there, go. Um, and if you see us while you're there, uh, you know certainly um, certainly come up and say hi. We'd love to meet you. Um, we our our Twitter. Our Twitter is uh, at gttgp.pod, or, sorry, <laughs> that's the Gmail. Start over. Our Twitter, our Twitter is at gttgppod. Um, we're going to be broadcasting from Periscope to our Twitter account throughout the day. Uh, Chris and I are riding up together. Uh, Aaron's going to be there, too. A lot of people that we regularly engage with in the uh, Gunter Ready Player One community are going to be there. We're super excited to meet all of them. Uh, Ray's going to be there, a few others. Um, yeah, we just incur- encourage you, if you're anywhere within driving distance, come on out. Um, also, we're going to do a little meetup after the event. Uh, we're going to be at the Old North Arcade in North Columbus. Uh, so after you get your book signed and everything dies down there at the venue, uh, swing on out. And uh, and meet us at Old North Arcade. I have confirmed there is a Joust machine, as well as a bunch right. of great games. It's going to be a fucking blast. I mean, it's going to be a little uh, Gunter reunion, man. We're, we're we're like really excited to meet everybody there. So if you can make it out, uh, please do. And like I said, you know, come to Old North Arcade, hang out with us. And you know, if if you're not able to do that and you're there, just you know, walk up and say hi. Um, we'd love to meet you and, and hang out with you because we're so excited. We, this is the first time I know I'm meeting your client. I'm pretty sure this is the first time, Chris, you're meeting him too, right? Oh yeah. First time. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron, it's your first time, right? Uh, haven't had the uh, privilege, but I'm fucking looking forward to it. Oh my God. What do you say to the guy that created it? I mean, I... <laughs> and from what I've heard too, and I just want to fill everybody in if you, if you plan on going, you can get up to three things signed. Um, just a little bit of information there. <laughs> I I hope that it's not just just the books. Like sometimes, like you'll go and then they'll have like their marketing, which is basically their bouncer, that then mm-hmm. takes something from you, determines whether or not yes or no he's going to sign it, and then pass it on. And I'm saying he, but generally when you go to cons, it kind of works like that. It's got to be something that they've profited from or some shit. It can't just be like an apple. Uh, and- you you bring up a good point there that I want to I, I want to kind of raise this this actually is not a con it's uh, library they say that's what kind of makes this kind of special this is an Ernest Klein focused event so he's doing the signing he's going to do some speaking there and outside of that I mean that's that's the event do you think he'll it's do like a book Ernest reading Klein. what's that do you think maybe he'll do a book reading like like you uh, know a few pages or something. Maybe. Maybe I he'll teach us about uh, Anorak's thoughts on masturbation. That would be... <laughs> I would love to hear Anorak's quote about that. I'm pretty sure he drives Anorak's car, right? Yeah. Well, 
if you if you want to learn more about Anorak's masturbation habits, we got we got we got a chapter chock full of that shit coming up. <laughs> chapter right. nineteen of Ready Player One. It's the Should whole we hop right into it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to the touchy touchy. All, All right. right. So we are on chapter nineteen of Ready Player One, a chapter that begins, as far as I can tell, in the middle of a commercial for antidepressants. And I'm not talking about the part where they start to feel better. I'm talking about the part where shit's not going well. Um, it is a dark, dark time for Wade Owen Watts. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, oh my God. God. This it's literally rough. dark. It's, his windows are painted black. His room is black. He would paint his mirror, but I don't know if he's just lazy or what. But it's a literally a dark time. Not to mention the, the chair that he sits in, the haptic chair, is also his fucking bed. Yeah, like, I, I can't it's, picture it's, this thing at all. Oh, my God. Could you imagine the smell in that <laughs> It would be awful. I could imagine it's like a high-tech uh, uh, barber chair or a dentist yeah, chair. That's, that's kind of you know, what I had in mind. But, yeah, which sounds great for 30 minutes at a time, but 24-7... Okay. Well, all right, we were just talking about sleep earlier. Think about this. So if it can simulate you walking, and particularly the the rig that he has, like he can run in any direction, he can walk upstairs, it simulates walking upstairs. Could you not simulate a waterbed? Could you not go to sleep in the Oasis and simulate any kind of sleeping experience? See, but, but I don't know, because that the, the way the haptic is described yeah. is that it can like impose a feeling on you. I don't know that it can make you feel weightless, though. Well, I, I, I would settle with just floating on heavy salt water. Oh, God. Are we going to talk about this again? No, we don't have to. <laughs> Somebody had just mentioned that his room is kind of like a sensory so deprivation chamber. So which one of the chamber? two of you has already looked up a, a, a way to do this in Columbus while oh, we're all going to be together? Fuck, I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. Hold on. <laughs> I figured one of you two would have brought it up already. <laughs> well, you know, if I do it, someone, one of you guys has to. Uh, that'd be Aaron. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Look at that. True Rest Float Spa, Easton, Columbus, Ohio. Oh, shit. That's going to be Aaron going with you. Oh, there's another place called Uptown Float. That sounds sanitary. Uptown Float. <laughs> Is it next to a dispensary? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think Ohio is as progressive in their politics. <laughs> Come on now, this doesn't look bad. This does not look like a hole in the wall. They they sell you a forty five minute experience. Is it forty five minutes or an hour? How long how long do you have to be in suspended or whatever it's called? You were gonna say how suspended long? animation, weren't you? I was gonna say that when <laughs> I stopped myself. <laughs> um I uh, it, what's where's the timing? It, 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 you get a feelings of euphoria, stress reduction, increased blood circulation. We've, we've been over this. Please, can we move on? Look, the pod looks like a giant toe. Okay, no, it so looks like a, not selling a gooey man. duck. <laughs> I don't want to lay in a giant saltwater just bath and a giant just the tip. toe. Just the tip. All oh, of this sounds awful. Maybe Saturday. So, so, so Chris is it? Chris is wanting to try the suspended animation. If you're going to Columbus and you want to do suspended animation with Chris, let <laughs> us know. We could probably line something up. It's Aaron and I it, will probably be off trying whiskey somewhere, yeah, <laughs> as we are wont to do. 
<laughs> but you said, but yeah, you said suspended you animation like again. <laughs> really? <laughs> God damn it. I meant sensory deprivation. I said suspended. I don't know why I keep doing that. You're going to be with uh, Einstein from uh, Back to the Future because uh, Doc Brown puts <laughs> yeah, right. him in uh, suspended animation clinic. Right. All right. So, sound like a dipshit. We're off to a rough start here. I guess the good part. <laughs> Let's move on. But yeah, as Chris mentioned, uh, he, he spray paints his window black. Uh, he's he's living a really depressed lifestyle. We'll get into that a little bit deeper. But um, he also mentions at this point in the chapter War Door. Uh, this is basically a an an airlock between him and the person who's delivering his package. Now, I've got two things to say on this. One, in 2045, given the war and, and, and you know, the fact that Wade's former home was blown up, I get the caution. But do you think this seems a bit excessive? Well, I think it's just proof that Amazon's idea to let people, let the delivery men into people's homes just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> like it happened, it went full scale, it got rejected. Yeah, like clearly... That was just a flop. Which I get, you know, I mean, like, like, but it just seems so fucking excessive. Like, you, do you really need an airlock chamber and like to scan your package? That's got to be so expensive. It sounds it's paranoid, but I get it. Like if somebody found out where he was and somebody wanted to deliver a bomb to him, like he's running for his life. So, yeah, you know, I mean, he's living but, a conspiracy theorist. Fever dream right but now. Did he properly <laughs> budget for this? Because he was talking about like he could, if he lived frugally, <laughs> that he could live in, a, you know, an efficiency apartment, and you know, I guess in Columbus. And I don't know. All this stuff seems really excessive. Like he's reinforcing the walls. He's got this war door thing. And first of all, is he installing this stuff himself? Does he? I don't have, know. He built his rig. He built his rig, but... There's a difference between building a computer and building a wall. <laughs> Jesus, don't I know. See the giant <laughs> yellow thing behind me? It's a fucking hole. <laughs> <laughs> I built my rig. I haven't covered that hole. I... Yeah. <laughs> I can't replace a toilet, but I can build you a fucking computer. <laughs> uh, computers are easy to build, but uh, a big uh, metal room... With scanners yeah. and things, I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's deep, man. I I would imagine he had some help for that, but you you mentioned it was an efficiency space, and that is uh, that is exactly right. This is a ten meter by ten meter cube. Uh, that's a fucking tiny place. That's like a bedroom. Well, didn't he say that this particular X hotel was was designed specifically with gamers in mind? <laughs> He he might have. I mean, it's it's clear in like I was talking with my wife about this. I was like, you know, I mean, that seems so small. But if you're going into the oasis, I mean, like, does it really matter? No, no, it really doesn't. I just, you know, it's he's got like a little kitchen and a bathroom too. So it's, it just, sounds yeah. it, it sounds like a college dorm room, basically. Yeah, <laughs> with blacked out windows. I don't know about you, but I'm going to bring a tape measure and see how big the hotel room is in Columbus. <laughs> I think you'll find that it's bigger than 10 meters by 10 meters. I would hope. I don't know where you're staying. Well, we'll you're see. staying in the days in basement. 
He's spending a lot of money on his setup, though, because he's constantly having to upgrade his console. As you can imagine, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know what the state of, uh, of equipment is in 2045. We get just a taste of it here. But I, I would imagine planned obsolescence is a big part of this society <laughs> that is completely dependent on access to the Oasis. Um, but yeah, he's constantly having to upgrade his console because new things are coming out all the time for accessing the Oasis. Uh, Chris, this is one of those times when I'm really glad to have you here, man, because we're launching into uh, some of the very, you know, the the nitty gritty of of, you know, how we access the Oasis, the hardware and things like that. Some of this stuff, I mean, it seems even beyond 2045. I mean, you know, obviously a mirror black Odinware sphere mm-hmm. chassis. <laughs> you know, sounds I mean, fucking like, awesome. Yeah, it sounds pretty fucking cool. But he mentions that it has an overclock processor that uh, borders on precognition. Okay, so... There's a bit of a philosophical bent there to the science and how fast this thing runs. But I, I think we we all kind of know what he means. I mean, how far are we away from a, a processor that borders on precognition? I think that's an exaggeration. But I'll tell you the thing that got me was that he said, I have enough hard drive space to store everything. I've got that too, yeah. Three times like, over. Three times. Three times over everything. And I was like, well, hold the fucking phone here. Everything? Are we talking everything is in like movies, music, books, and games? Are we talking everything is is one word that covers everything? Like like what are right. we talking about? Like he can hold the entire oasis inside of it? What? What? The well, fuck okay, is so like... that that's something that I wanted to ask you. So when they access the oasis, are they access? They're accessing a server, right? Right, right. I'd imagine that doesn't yeah. necessarily take up space on a hard drive. Correct. Yeah, you would just be digitally interacting with the server somewhere. Right. So, so, but, but it implies that you could hold three Oasis on there as well as everything else in the world. Uh, yeah, I was a little lost. Like it, it, the I was listening to it today, and Will Wheaton just brushed right past it. When you also think about twenty forty five, your hard drives are going to hold could potentially hold a lot of shit. But frankly, I don't think you're going to be using hard drives to hold a whole lot. I think a majority of what we end up going to is going to be cloud based. Clouds, the cloud can be huge. Clouds just a, a a giant farm of computers where all the resources are all connected together and synchronized. They're all sharing speed and hard drive space and RAM, and you can allocate resources to anyone based on what they need in the moment. And that I could see having everything or having access to everything, but a hard drive local that could contain that much. I mean, the, the internet is growing exponentially on a daily basis. Now, I can't imagine it in like 25 years. Right. Let alone three of it on one console. Yeah. Yeah. It just I, seems, it seems outrageous. But, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's the sandbox we're playing in right now, you know? Right. But I mean, like, okay, so he, he mentions, I want to kind of go back to it, an overclocked processor. Now, let's, let's pick this apart because not everybody is us and nerds out over this shit. What does an overclocked processor mean exactly? So you're talking about like how many hertz, how many calculations can it pump through? And it's potential, potentially it's possible for some chips to kind of crank out the speed, if you will. Now you run the, a couple risks because the chip is set usually 
to ha handle a particular amount of heat. And when you overclock something, you're, again, you're kind of pushing it. You're, you're pushing so it to its limits of this. what it can do. Okay, let me ask you this. So, like, engines are governed, or some engines are governed at a certain speed for the safety of the engine. Is it kind of the same way with processors? Are they governed in that way, where there's, like, a cap that you can't pass? Yeah, it's, it's kind of so like, like that. So is an overclock, like, a customization or something that you would need to, like, jailbreak? Or is it something that just, it's built that way, but it can do a little bit faster? Well, it's it's meant to to pulse the, the processing at, at a certain frequency. The higher the frequency, the more calculations you can do over a specific period of time. But the, it, it, is, it is kind of like where you have a limiter on an engine. And the reason why you have a limiter on your processor is to keep it within a range that's safe, within a heat range that is safe. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes you can just go into the software that controls your processor and your board in general. And you can go in and overclock your RAM, go in and overclock your processor, possibly. If it allows you to do that, you can go in and set the settings to do that. Uh, but I've, I've run into situations where I, tried, uh, where I tried boosting my RAM, and it, it ended up overheating, and the entire computer would just shut down. Now, that doesn't mean it blows up or that it burns out. It just means it reaches a place where it's like, nope, fuck off. You've hit the heat range limit. We are doing an emergency shutdown to save the resources. So that okay. you don't so it doesn't hurt anything. So if you're overclocking something that can store three times the amount of information <laughs> that's available on Earth in a 10, 10 meter by ten meter space, how fucking hot is this room? <laughs> yeah. You'd need an air conditioner and an it air purifier. Maybe an open window. <laughs> <laughs> you would need like you you wouldn't need to stick that in a refrigerator i would think well it's funny you should mention it because people who do bitcoin mining and buy bitcoin miners which are, are computers little computers that are loaded with video cards in fact the price of video cards have gone up because of bitcoin mining stock has gone up for for companies that produce video cards because of bitcoin mining right now but there are some people who use Bitcoin mining and double that as their heating, that they will run air through the Bitcoin mining machines and use that as a secondary heat source for their home. No shit. I kid you not. That's fucking crazy. Wow. That's actually really interesting. <laughs> Bitcoin miners say they heat their houses for free. For free, if you can believe that. I just read this article like two weeks ago because it was real fucking cold. But that they were saying it was roughly 30 degrees Fahrenheit outside in Durham, North Carolina. And they were able to heat a 1,600-square-foot home. So warm Good that God. they had to open the window. That's insane. It is a little fucking nuts. Yeah. But, but, I mean, like, you know, as technology progresses and everything like that, I mean, that, that usage won't be won't be matched you know i mean like like you think about the computers that were used at mit to create the first video game right right i mean that was that was an entire room full of you know i mean it, it was huge but nowadays you can get that out of a cell phone i mean i i heard this once that the processing power in an iphone mm -hmm. is stronger than the processing power of the first lunar lander oh my god 
by an order of thousands of times, hundreds of thousands of times, tens of thousands of times greater than the than the supercomputers they had for processing the calculations for the space mission for and the Apollo team. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it's increased quite a bit. So you could say, okay, in 2040 something, the processors could be incredibly small but still incredibly powerful and thus Just not more, generate a ton yeah. of heat. Or you could say they're more efficient because you're still talking about a book. It's talking about a period of time where there's an energy crisis and yet everyone is online. So energy has to be still pretty cheap to be on the oasis like everyone is, but there's an energy crisis. So driving cars and flying planes horribly inefficient but maybe the internet's one of those things where it's gotten incredibly more efficient because there's a higher demand and heat could be coming off of your computer is an example of wasted energy well i mean if you had told if you had told people in nasa back in the 1960s that you could hold the processing power of 10,000 times of what they had at that point in your hand not only that but you would charge it when you went to bed <laughs> and that it would last for about three quarters of the day, depending on usage. I, I would love to They'd jump back in be time. Like, That's fucking outrageous. Yeah, I'd love to jump back in time to that, but just walk in there and go, hold on, there's an app for that. Have you like, thought about, about that? Like, hey, you gotta check out this cat video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, about the processing. I, I have a computer in my hand that's more powerful than anything you've got in that giant room over there. Uh, and I'm going to use it to watch CAD videos. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm going to use it to look at porn. Like a yeah, super I'm going to show you dick butt from Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Like, hold on a minute. I got to go check my Instagram. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, so it's not just this overclocked process that we're talking about. We're talking about the the uh, Shaptic Technologies, the HC5000 fully adjustable haptic chair. Um, which can simulate falling, which love that I sort of. I do too. But like, I wonder, like, it can't be. You're you're in a, a ten meter by ten meter cube. How does it like simulate? You know, constantly falling. Um, I, I if fuck, I don't know. I think you just fall like multiple times, like you're on like a vibration plate or something. Like you can't. You can't recreate that sensation in pieces, right? And, you know, and he's on a chair. It, I, he says something about it. Be, I don't know if it's this chapter, the next chapter, but it, it being like suspended somewhat on things that he attached to the ceiling or something right. like that. So they they could simulate a fall a small distance, but see what I what I had in mind though is that it dropped him slowly. But there was the haptic would create the wind resistance from underneath. Oh, that could be. So even though he's falling slowly, it feels like there's wind rushing past him. So there's that resistance, and you know, you're you know what you're what you're seeing through the visor would sort of contradict the speed at which you're falling. So as long as that resistance is there, it might actually accurately represent you falling. Because, like, if you think about it, like, you've been to, like, I've told you guys about Omnimax, that dome theater that they have in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have it in, like, a few other places. Like, when you're sitting there in this dome theater with nothing on, nothing's moving, if if it goes down a roller coaster, you feel like you're on a roller coaster just from what you're seeing. 
So if you were to put that wind resistance feeling through the haptics, and then you were also able to see like, you know, the ground so far below you, it might actually feel kind of convincing. I, I wonder if it maybe it just uh, tilts him backwards so that like it just messes with your, you know, your inner ear and your balance uh, sure. to simulate that sensation. It's cool to think about. I mean, you know, I mean, who, who knows what it actually feels like? But I mean, the, the, you know, that's what I love the most about this chapter is we like picked it apart. I thought this was going to be kind of a go nowhere chapter. But this really is the most the most in-depth we get about the modern equipment in 2045, you know? Yeah. And I think from the falling perspective, like they're already simulating that now and your feeling of falling is a degree of suspension. So, you know, the chair does that. And I actually posted a link as a side note here, but you have a, a degree of suspension and you have a, a visual cue that tricks the mind into creating feelings. I don't know if you've ever been like with your kid and, you get close mm-hmm. to the edge and your knees and legs get this weird, painful, achy sensation, you know, that, that your body knows you're in danger and starts to trigger the feelings to weaken you mm. and prevent you from moving towards it. That it's possible in- to simulate that visually and trick the brain. And like you said, change what's going on in your inner ear as well by changing your position. And visually, your brain and your inner ear will be out of sync, creates that feeling of falling. That's fine. It's it's like uh, if if that was if that was too much, if anybody who's listening to the show has seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, something very similar to this is uh, when they're up in the Sears Tower and they do that thing where they stand on the bar and they press their forehead against the glass and they stick their arms out and they're kind of talking about the same feeling. Now, when you go to uh, to the Sears Tower. They actually have something called the sky deck where you can walk out and it's glass underneath you. Oh, just oh. like it, like the, um, fuck you fuck that. <laughs> yeah. You can walk out. Well, they've got it. At, they've got it. At the fucking, um, they've got it at the, uh, uh the grand Canyon too. Yeah. The and glass I bridge. saw this one. Oh my God. It was so funny. There's a, there's a, there was a video on Reddit not long ago and I've seen yeah. it like a couple times. I, I just saw this. It's, it's you know hilarious. what I'm talking about? Yes. Where, where, it was this guy and I, I don't know where he was. I think it was in China. It might've been. Yeah. But the guy walks out and the funny oh. thing is, is like, it looks like a clear, you know, it's like the sky deck. It's just glass on your feet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it does this thing when you're walking out on it where it'll fake a crack. <laughs> And he'll just split a crack right up and start like webbing out. He almost jumped just off the bridge. And he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> he almost so jumped funny. off that motherfucker. I would panic, man. <laughs> I would be, I'd be shitting my pants up there. The minute somebody sees that and decides, "Fuck it, I'm jumping over the side," just out of instinct, right? <laughs> Lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, because I'd rather go down than go down with glass. <laughs> I have seen that video, and that. I was like, no. <laughs> but there are uh, there are pools that some. There's one hotel I saw that has a pool that stretches from one yes. floor to the next. You can swim like thirty stories up over. Like you just look down and it's Fuck all glass. That I saw. I saw the one you're talking about, Fuck and I was that. like, "There's no fucking way I would do that." You couldn't pay me enough. Oh my god! Yeah, no way. All these it's just a glass bridge pool. All these like super 
skyscraper buildings, they're all having these little features now. Like the the first example I can think of when I after I started uh, working in the field was the at the time the tallest building was the Petronas Towers. It's two towers that go up and they have a sky bridge between, and there's a point in the middle where you step out onto a glass platform and you can look down. And it's not that big, but yeah, I I'm not doing that shit. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. No way, man. Huge That's fucking terrifying. Note. I, I remember watching that um uh the the Mission Impossible movie with the um uh uh with at the Burj Khalifa. I'm probably pronouncing that poorly, but when uh Tom Cruise is like got the little suction cup things and like climbing outside that, hell mm-hmm. no. Yeah. <laughs> Are heights a thing for you? Like you can't do heights? Uh I don't mind being like on top in tall buildings and things like that but inside is perfectly fine <laughs> outside of them no it's the nope. feeling of looking down for me that's the problem oh, I, i'm not the most athletic person so i don't think i could like grab hold of something and reliably stay put i'm i'd be going down i okay well we could go on about heights forever i i yeah. literally sat there for three hours not long ago watching YouTube videos of those free climbers who will, like, climb cranes and shit above oh. buildings. And the whole time I was just like, why? Like, I, I, there's something in my body that does not allow for that in the way that it does theirs. I think it's called but, gravity. Jesus Christ. Yeah, oh. yeah right. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so we've got a pretty good description of the Shaptic, the Shaptics, the Shaptic suits. Um, this is the first time we really go into depth about uh, these haptic suits. And the way it's described sounds fucking awesome. I mean, it's it's a series of tendons and almost like, you know, uh, you know, like like a layer of... of, of it's, it's, it's an exoskeleton, basically. And, you know, it, it can simulate... And I don't know why the fuck you'd want to simulate a kick in the shin, but apparently it can simulate that in a shotgun blow to the chest. It feels like a weak punch. But um, one of the things that Chris sent out, I think it was on Facebook fairly recently, was that um, they had they had this this kind of like exoskeleton leg kind of thing. It looked like power armor almost if you're into Fallout, where anywhere you went, you could just sit down. The ability to lose yourself in an environment that can be simulated is hard to imagine. Just just really. And and safe. Like I think the big thing here is the vests right. that they're talking about. They can feel because they have these little pneumatic pushes or you know little pneumatic uh, nipples. sensitivities. Nip, thanks, nipples. Sure, but you know he talks about how you can get shot with a gun and that these vests and that the suit that you're in won't hurt you. Like it feels like a a, a soft punch. But I think it's kind of interesting that in an age where people are hacking, that potentially you could put on a suit to simulate your environment, and then when somebody shoots you, you could get killed for real. Right. Like The idea that he's like, no, 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 it's safe, it's turned down. I'm like, well, what the fuck happens when you turn it to 11? And I want, I want to talk about this in a, in a future chapter. What if somebody just like put on maximum resistance in every part of your suit, and they just basically, you could be paralyzed in a haptic suit. But you get like a rolling blackout. Which just everything well, I mean, shuts think down. About, like if if somebody just put maximum resistance on every side of the suit, yeah. you wouldn't be able to move your arms, your legs. You wouldn't be able to take it off. You'd be trapped. 
Like, I, I would feel so claustrophobic in one of those suits just with the idea that at any moment somebody could trap me in it. There'd yeah. be no getting out. Yeah, because I, I, you got to think is maybe your arms would be free. But then again, if there's any kind of resistance adding to your arms, well, it's within this contraption. Like if right. you're closing a door and you want the reality of the door closing and it's a giant concrete door, you're going to need some resistance to make it feel like you have to put some effort into closing a giant concrete door. So, yeah, you'd have to have something that would create a resistance from all angles in order to and, simulate the environment right. Yeah, And it's fingertips to toes, man. It's head to toe. It doesn't cover your head, you know, which is consistent with most rules and like full, full contact games. You know, I mean, you want to stay away from the head. So there's no like haptic headgear other than so, the visor, but still, I mean, if somebody wanted to, if they hacked it in the right way, they can make you ball up a fist and beat yourself to death. You could get punched in the nards. Yeah, you could do anything. I over mean, like, and over and over there's again. So many there. There are so many possibilities that make the haptic suit dangerous. I don't want to get into it, but like, just Jesus Christ. I would feel claustrophobic the moment I put that thing on. I, I'm not sure. I don't know if I would feel claustrophobic. I'm just not sure that I would trust that potentially somebody wouldn't hack a suit and, like you said, force you to beat the shit out of yourself while typing to you in a private chat. Why are you hurting yourself? Why are you hurting yourself? Why are you hurting yourself? <laughs> I'm surprised you that never yourself? happens in this book. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you would think that it would. Well, the, <laughs> that should have been the final battle between Sorrento and, and, and Parzival. The, <laughs> the only thing that he says that keeps it from hurting you is built-in safety software. Sure. Oh, okay. I, it, I don't know. That's just not enough comfort zone for me. Like, everything can be hacked. If it can be coded, right. it can be hacked, right? And, and I got to right. wonder, like, people have varying ranges of motion. So, you know, let's face it, like a, a person who is a gymnast can move in directions that would rip me apart muscle wise. So if right. you're following what I'm saying here, is it possible for a full blown haptic chair to basically just fold you in half or pull your arms all the way back and pop it out of your sockets, or pull your legs out? Could it put you into a, a, an uncomfortable situation? Uh, I mean, it seems like it could. Right. It controls yeah. your entire fucking body. If you could code a room where you walk in and you does that to somebody with the smell tower making it smell like farts, that's a pretty good gag, right? <laughs> so, like, you remember way back when, I think it was chapter three or four, we were talking about going to different planets. Um, you know, like, they were they were exploring the solar system through the Oasis. One of the things that would be so cool, but also very just, like... Could you imagine just like feeling the gravity of different solar system or, or different planets in the solar system? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, like, you know, I mean, you could actually feel what it was like to be weightless or you could feel what it's like to be in, under, under like a crushing gravitational influence. I, you I could don't... simulate that. You, you, you could build that into a simulation to the point where the person couldn't move. I mean, I... it's just, it's like, it it goes sort of underexplored as far as the rest of the book is concerned. No spoilers there, but like we don't really dig deep into the fact that you can basically make a human feel a human being feel just about anything in these happy suits. I could definitely see it. I don't think that your body would feel the pressure from all three hundred and sixty degrees, but I think 
the weight of your arms and your body on your legs could be adequately simulated up to i think up to a certain point right well unless unless the whole rig was just like let's just squish them on the floor you know right it's, well, it can, it's, i don't know ahead. to me like this haptic suit sounds like an amazing piece of technology Oh, it's fucking incredible. And meanwhile, there's people who are shit poor, s- starving to death, cities blowing up, and like, no, we got to make a better haptic suit. Supply and demand. <laughs> Huge demand. Yeah, but but again, we don't know the cost of this technology, you know? I mean, the Oasis we know pushes technology beyond where it probably should have been by 2045. It advances a lot of different things. Just the necessity to to run it and, you know, the things that are needed to make it feel realistic. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a haptic suit that's doing a like, you know, 17 grades below what we're talking about here would blow our fucking minds if we put it on. Sure. You know what I mean? So while this may be the most advanced, there's probably something you know, four or five steps below that's completely, you know, economically accessible that would blow our fucking minds today. You know and what he I mean? Does, he does say that, that he's able to keep up his rig with his, what did he say, measly, minimum, minimal, whatever his income is. Well, he said, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's not making a whole lot. And Well, he also said he's going broke doing it. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah, it's, it's a large part of what he ends up spending. He's also spending money, obviously, for his internet connection. Right. And for his room, or you know, his spot in the in the black hole hotel, yeah, which he's not getting the security deposit back for. Yeah, yeah definitely and, not. <laughs> and he had to spend money on that kick-ass door. Yes. So I, I gotta imagine that while the stuff, the tech is really awesome, I gotta wonder if maybe it's also priced so that it, the masses can get to it at least at a at a minimum, not minimum wage, but a, like a like a blue collar worker's job pay. An introductory level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least at an introductory. And he's also having equipment sent to him by companies yeah. that he's pimping for. And we'll get into that in just a second, but okay. let's, let, let's, let's, uh, let's move on from these haptics. Um, next, we've got the mosh wash, which is where he keeps his haptic suit. Basically, this is a place where you set your, your suit and it cleans it. I don't know if it's like a dry cleaning kind of thing. We don't really go into, uh, into it too deeply. But at this point, I actually had this note written down, and I was telling the guys about it. I took these notes a while back. But is everything named by Mountain Dew's marketing team in 2045? The Mosh Wash? Like, Rex what the specs. fuck? Everything just sounds like to the extreme, you know? I like the Rex Specs, because that's the throwback to the X-ray yeah. glasses you used to be able to buy. Right. Back to those crappy-ass magazines. Yeah. <laughs> But one of the names that really stood out, it stood out to me and Aaron. We talked about this a little bit, but Okagami. Uh, Okagami is one of the brand names that they use for... Um, the gloves. It's the Okagami Idle Hands Haptic Data Gloves. Yes, and it's it's used for the, the hands and the feet, which I think there's like a judo reference to be made there, or taekwondo, whichever one it is that's like, it means the hand and the feet. I can't remember which one it is. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Okagami is the brand name. All right, so Okagami was a uh, Japanese historical tale. It was written about um, 
1119. And the really cool thing about the Okagami tale is apparently it's a conversation by a 190-year-old man recalling the past. That's that's the entire Okagami tale, is, is, is a man telling younger people about the past, which fits so well into, you know, the rest of this chapter, the rest of this book. I mean, that's, that's, that's Anorak. It's the, yeah, it's um, the whole book. It's the whole contest. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like the way you experience the Oasis through hands and feet, the way you move through the Oasis is, you know, is, 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 is named Okagami. It's just so cool. And, you know, I mean, I say this probably once every couple of episodes, if not every episode, I mean, like, Ernest Klein takes a lot of heat for the way that he wrote this book. But this kind of shit is just so granular. You know, I mean, it's just so well-researched. I mean, who would think to call it Okagami? And, and, and tie it back to something that's so specific to the nature of this book. I mean, yeah, he uses a lot of references to make points in the book. But some of the references that are not so obvious or just so obscure that you're like, yeah, where'd you pull that from? Like some of them you might overlook. This is one of them. And it's such a beautiful plot point, I think. It's such a beautiful detail. I really liked this when I found it. I even like the idle hands bit, which is, the, you know, a, kind of a take on the proverb idle hands or the devil's playthings. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's kind of cool marketing. Like, he, and at the very least, Ernest Klein could get into marketing if that's not like his full time job to begin with. Because the shit that he comes up with is not, not only something that you could kind of get familiar with, but uh, it's just clever. It just sounds like it would be real. Like, he just came up with these things and it's like, yeah, I could totally believe it because that sounds like shit that marketing companies today sound like. And it's, it's so, it's, it's very clever, but it's also like the idle hands thing just totally ties into the rest of the chapter in this book. Like that's what this entire (laughs) chapter is about is, is like the idle hands thing. What might you do with idle hands? Oh God. And the internet. Jesus fucking Christ. Don't jump ahead to that. Anyways. So we've got a few other product details here. We got the, I'm sorry. I don't mean to go into the details prematurely. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dynatro Rex Specs, the RLR 7800, um, a sound system that made the back of his teeth rattle. Um, he can Sounds hear healthy. the outside of his apartment, too, because he said he didn't upgrade the sound system, so I'm sure he's got some pissed-off neighbors. Um, the treadmill here, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, I'm glad he addresses it later in the chapter, because he says, like, I spend most of my time in my haptic chair, what little exercise I got in the Oasis. But this treadmill, again, the Okagami, it it gives the resistance. Like if, you, if you're walking upstairs, you feel like you're walking upstairs. If you're walking up an incline, you feel like you're walking up an incline. But regardless, I mean, the cardio on this fucking thing, I often think of it because like, guys, I, I play Fallout more than a man should, okay? If I walked as much as my fallout character did in the few survival mode playthroughs that i've done i'd be a fit motherfucker <laughs> now, and that's to point it's it's kind of weird and i don't know if we want to jump into this or not but we talk about this physical interaction rig where you have to you have resistance you have distance you have simulated distance uh if you're running i, I agree like the video games i play it's running everywhere like right now i'm playing PUBG. that's running a 
crap ton and miles and miles every night. Oh just shit, to we got to talk about PUBG after this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> just just to get shot and killed. But <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, but you're right. Like, if I had to run that, first off, that would be an incredible disadvantage. Because think about this. If, if everyone else <laughs> is on a running rig and you're just right. sitting in a chair... You're going to do awesome. If everyone else is feeling that they're getting hit by bullets and all you're seeing is little red lights, you have an advantage. You're not as distracted. So I don't... The exercise regimen that he has to go into or that he puts himself into, is that even necessary considering all the crap that he does in the Oasis anyhow? Right. He addresses that. Yeah. And I think what he says, like, he sits in his haptic chair... Like, you know, I spend most of my time in my chair. So I, I wonder how much of that is, like, elective. You know, like you, you like we talked about before, like, he would move his hand and that would be how he moved. I wonder if it's, like, if you just get, like, fucking exhausted, you could be like, all right, I'm just going to sit down and play this game. Uh, Which, okay. I got to be honest, if the Oasis exists, or if the Oasis existed, I would probably alternate between the two. It's just yeah. like having, it's like having a standing desk at work. When you sure. see somebody else at one, you're like, holy fuck, man, I'd stand up all the time. And then you get it, and you're like, maybe I wouldn't stand up all the time. Just sitting down <laughs> feel fucking great right now. Uh, and, I totally you know, want a standing so you desk. Kind of alternate between the two. Like, sometimes when you're feeling good and you're feeling responsible, you'll stand it up. Other times, when you're not feeling that way, you might be like, I'm sitting this motherfucker down. It's the same thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You definitely have to have the option because most people are not going to have an Okagami omnidirectional treadmill. Right. And some people are just kind of walking their fingers across their, uh, in front of their face to move around. Or most people, when you buy the game, when you buy the Oasis console, they, you get the gloves and the visor and that's it. And that should be, in theory, enough to get around and do basically everything. Right. right. I don't know who's getting enjoyment out of doing all the extra walking, but it, you know, given the option, I mean, if I had to run through, you know, the Commonwealth and Fallout Four, I mean, there are some nights that I would sit down and I would want to, you know, just fucking do it on my controller and not worry about it. But then there are other nights where I'd be like, you know what, I was gonna work out, but I'd rather play Fallout, and I'm gonna play Fallout, and I'm gonna do both at the same time. It's cool to have the option, I think. You know? I like that it's both. You know, uh, as far as doing everything with your equipment, Jesus fucking Christ, I've not been looking forward to this part of the episode. Uh, Wade, Wade buys himself a fuckbot in Uber Betty. Fap, 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 fap. Exactly. It's, uh, I, I gotta say, is, is you know, in, in terms of this entire book, Jesus Christ, this part's personal. <laughs> it gets roughly personal. We were talking about that. Like it's it's amazing how much Anorak quotes Detail. on this particular subject. Like of all the things that you could monologue about from Anorak's almanac, this seems to be the largest chunk that is pulled into this book that Anorak had to say. Like he has little quotes that are put into the book from from the almanac, but this is like a half a freaking page and a whole week in his time talking you know what about I would love to see spending time with this doll you know what i would love to see i would love to see a a character <laughs> count a word not a character count a word count 
from what he is directly quoted as saying in Anorak's invitation versus this excerpt. I would bet you it's probably equivalent, <laughs> like close to. Like, I'm dying and I'm leaving my stuff, but I've got a lot more to say about masturbation. Yeah. I'm just masturbation telling you. Masturbation is covered more thoroughly than his fucking will. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, and if, we, and if we go back to the, how did he have all this money to do all this? He talks about spending thousands of credits on this. What a- They're expensive. They're expensive now. Those raging teenage hormones, man. <laughs> I, I, side note, I just clicked on a link. Click on that. I'm not sure I I'm want to. I saw the, anything the, I saw the URL. Right I'm not sure it's... Uh, <laughs> not I don't need that in my internet text. history. Well, it, the gist here being is that there are not just one... There isn't just one company that produces these. There are a number of companies that are producing dolls. So, And they're getting particularly real. Uh, there's even some that are moving in the direction of AI. So this idea that he just, this is the part that kind of stumped me. Like the technology now is surprisingly advanced. And in 25 years, I would expect like robots. You know, this thing where like he just ordered a, a doll that worked on the internet or on the Oasis, and then he just kind of set it aside in the closet after wiping it down, and he got bored with it and moved on. But that just sounds like what's described here is what's available today. If anything, less so. Well, for his amorous activities, Wade moves in the Oasis to a place called the Pleasure Dome. Did anybody get the Pleasure Dome reference? It was the name of the first, or it was the name of the album by Frankie Goes to Hollywood that included the song "Relax," which, of course, is about. Go ahead, Chris. You can throw in whatever colloquial term you want to there. <laughs> uh, digging for gooey ducks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the Pleasure Dome was the name of the uh, the album that Frankie Goes to Hollywood released. The song "Relax," go to it when you want to go. Uh, but you know, this is Anorax Almanac two forty one eighty seven. He talks about uh, masturbation. Well, let's get thrown up here, guys. That's a thing that happens. And uh, he talks about how most of the major advances would not have happened without masturbation being at play. He brings up Galileo, he brings up Einstein, he brings up Newton, and he brings up Marie Curie, which I'm not going to comment on that because I don't know much about it. But um, Einstein was a famous womanizer, and Galileo had three children out of wedlock. So they were not uh, starving, (laughs) really. They were not... uh, they were not the geek virgins that 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 Wade really, or I, I should more accurately say that Halliday, uh, you know, describes in this passage. Now Newton, as far as I looked, and you know, I mean, I did kind of like an ancillary search, like I didn't really dig too deep. And I'll admit, you know, I mean, I don't know much about the past of Newton, but as far as I could see, he was he was uh, he didn't he, go he deep kind with of it. The bill. <laughs> But Einstein, right? no way! I knew that. I I didn't have to look that up. I mean, Einstein loved it and uh, and got it. And Galileo, you know, same thing. I think the general argument here, and and it's funny because he's in this situation where, in order to keep himself focused, that's the excuse here. He's rationalizing. Well, I kind of need to to throw the salami around, choke the chicken a bit, you know, make some clam chowder, if you were, in order to free up the mind to clear 
clear his perspective from his otherwise, you know, female obsession and distraction, you know, to kind of narrow back down onto the key. Or you done key. yet? No, no, God. You no. want to throw a couple more out there before we move on? Those were just the ones that came to mind in the okay. moment. But, <laughs> but I get it. I mean, it's just, you know, because it's, it's basically the momentary drug that just alleviates that distraction and allows you to just move on and focus. So I wonder if Parzival ever referenced the pictures he downloaded of Artemis that he, you know, from back in the early chapters. He says he got, he's filling up his hard drive with, you know, the screenshots that she put up. So, yeah. So it was a real, it was a really full hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I just, I, I don't want to see where the like. I, it's just. I hear his hard drive. I hear his hard drive holds three times of everything. <laughs> it's really big. It's it, at least nine just, and a quarter. Okay, so. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I like. Oh, I love. I love this book. This part is just so fucking comfortable. I know what and, we're gonna get. Ernie describing your book. Like, like Chris does not make it any more comfortable. This man has a glossary of masturbation terms that would that would stun you. Just oh my god! I can anyway. see him referencing them right now. It's true. I can see him. No, it's just like it's it's like watching it's like watching uh, Neo learn kung fu in the fucking Matrix. Like his head just kind of goes back and he shakes a little bit, and then all of a sudden he's just got like a thousand more that he can just fire off. Well, that's because my mind's cleared. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I practice transcendental masturbation. <laughs> Is this what goes okay. on in the in, in the sensory deprivation tanks? <laughs> my, my wife just passed the door and gave me this fucking look like, what is going on there? <laughs> all right, all right. So masturbation, babe. It's cool. click, click, on, click on this link. I promise you it's not I'm not clicking on any links you send I just, me right now. I need now. somebody to have some balls to click on this link. I'll click on it. All right. Tell me if this doesn't creep your shit out. Is it a picture of Chris? You are not the greatest <laughs> salesman, are you? Who, me? Yeah. Tell me if this... Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> what are you it's, well, it's, it's You can order is, now. It's I am going to delete my internet faces. history right now. <laughs> what? Wait, it which wants one me to sign on? up for the, their latest news. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, that's the wrong link. The one at the bottom. What do you mean the wrong link? What else did you have up, Chris? No, <laughs> I, I got the link, but the, half the face is gone on one of right. them. Right, right, yeah. right. It's like sign up for our newsletter. I don't think I need to. <laughs> <laughs> it it has a swappable face system. Like okay. you can pull the face off of your sex bot and put another face on it. I want to pull his face, face. off. Off. <laughs> oh dude, click the link above it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, how well do you know the site, Chris? I I I keep an eye on things. Oh my lord. Uh I hate you so much. But this is not. This is this is a product being sold. It's relevant to the chapter. I'm just saying the technology's here now. Uh, what kind of malware is on my computer now? 
So, <laughs> yes, can we move on, please? <laughs> yes, we can. I am now deleting my internet history and hoping to God that this doesn't come back to haunt me. All right, so next, next, we meet Max. 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 Headroom. Right. Max Headroom. He is the. Uh, <laughs> hey there, Ryan. <laughs> he's the system agent software. That Wade has chosen. It's basically a digital assistant. But uh, this is something that I want us to do here. Like, if, you, if you're listening to the show, please share with us who your system agent software would be. I know exactly who mine would be. Oh, I hadn't thought about this. Who's yours? Uh, I've got two, actually, if I can. One would yeah. be Carl Sagan. <sighs> yeah. I would love that. And the other, if I was looking for something a little more madcap, would be Pee Wee Herman. What was the movie that he was in where he was the alien voice? In that the was Flight of the up, Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. Yes. That movie was so awesome for me as a kid, as Fucking a teenager. Incredible. Right up until he scanned his brain and his yeah. voice went peewee. And that killed it for me. It, yeah, that was not the high point of that flight. That went, aw- that went from awesome to fuck this. But what, what would yours be? Aaron, you take this. I got to think on this a minute. <laughs> I could see getting some advice uh, from Doc Brown. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm. I'm trying to limit myself to the '80s, even though I don't really need to. Um, would you? Would you make him call you Marty? <laughs> Marty. Yeah. <laughs> like, Marty. I can't imagine Doc Brown saying another name. <laughs> oh, that would be another good one, Rick from Rick and Morty. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's nice. That would be really good. Oh, uh, Rick. Yeah. Where he just like constantly insulted you <laughs> and burps every once in a while. <laughs> you just hear the drool coming out of his mouth where he's been drinking. <laughs> You're gonna get swifty in here. <laughs> but I would, I would fucking love that. I love that cartoon so much. I fucking much. love that show so much. Oh my god! Somebody, somebody, like when we were early in, I said, oh, "I've never, you know, I've, I've seen a couple episodes here and there, but I never really got into it." Somebody was recommending hardcore Rick and Morty to us. Since then, I have watched every fucking episode, and I absolutely am obsessed with that show. It is, side note, it's it's amazing. amazing, It's amazing how deep that cartoon is. It's so good. Aaron, have you seen Rick and Morty? Yeah, I actually, I just recently started watching it, by recently, like a few months ago, and I really only have access to what's on Hulu. But uh, I, I love that show. It's great. Dude, Mr. Meeseeks is is one of the best half hours oh my of television, God, television I've ever watched. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so fucking good. <laughs> oh, man. That episode. Existence is pain. <laughs> Let's just get another Mr. Meeseeks to help us out. Yeah, doing that high-pitched voice. <laughs> then we'll be done. I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me. He wrote me into this. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, there you go, God. Mister. I know what I'm Mi- doing tonight when we get off the podcast. You're gonna because I got to sleep on the couch again. You're gonna do a little hammy jammy with the Mister Meeseeks? God damn it! No, no, what? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, I think, think that we might found be the end of the episode clip. That that could be my that would be that could potentially be my digital assistant would be Mister Meeseeks. Ah, oh, there you go. Good. I'd be like, uh, uh, I need help. I'm Mister Meeseeks. Look one. at me. Hey, Chris, you're really great. How can I help you out? <laughs> You're the man, Chris. Hey, what can I Chris. do for you? 
Uh, I need to add two points to my game. Oh, that's pretty hard, but we're going to figure it out because you're great. <laughs> I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me. Meeseeks would be a fucking excellent <laughs> Because think assistant. about it. Oh, he, should, he lives to help you. And isn't that your digital assistant? That would be fucking awesome. Short round from Indiana Jones. Oh, there you go. Okay. Mr. Jones? <laughs> I can no do time for love, that. Mr. Jones. Yeah. Chewbacca would be kind of useless, although it would be great to have yeah, but, or, yeah. Or like R2-D2. Absolutely yeah. pointless. But You'd I'm, have to like translate the fucking blips and bloops because it seems like everybody in the movie knows what he's talking about except for anyone watching the damn movie. So what if you had the, the, go, the apparition ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi telling you shit after it's no longer necessary to know? Like, why didn't you tell me that was my father? You <laughs> could have told me that was my sister. No. Yeah, I feel like if I were Luke, I'd be in a constant argument with Obi-Wan. <laughs> like, you live down the fucking road, man. You couldn't have filled me in on this shit, let it in slowly, and all had to come crashing down at once. Or when he dies. Like, the whole point is that he's supposed to help him out along the way in, in little incremental, inspirational bits. But a heads up every once in a fucking while wouldn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so well, Obi-Wan's not know. a good one. <laughs> Let us know on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, wherever the fuck you go. Let us know what your system agent software would be. I think we covered some pretty good ones here. But as as is usual, um, the community always comes up with something that's even better than we hadn't even thought of yet. I think it's interesting that he moves to Max Headroom from Wilma Deering because Wilma Deering is too, how do you say, distracting. Well, no. Aaron Gray is the one he moves from. Wilma yeah. Deering is one of the ones he threatens. To use instead of Max. But, yeah, he threatens Wilma Deering is Aaron or... Gray. Oh, is it? Yeah, Wilma Deering was the, the name uh, of the character who is Aaron Gray from... It, that's The actor's so name it... is Aaron Gray. But she plays oh. Wilma Deering in the show. What show was that? Buck Rogers. Uh, Buck Rogers. Oh, again, I haven't. I still haven't seen Buck Rogers. Oh, oh you know Dude, what? We need oh, to sure, fucking do that. Robot. You know what? Uh, what was, his name's fucking Oreo, or, or what the hell was his name? He goes... Bitty, 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 bitty. What the fuck was his name? I'm even more confused than when we started. Twig, Twiggy? Twiggy, Twiggy, yes. That's it. That is one creepy-ass looking robot. It really is, but that would also be a good It looks like a Ferengi. Twiggy? A little bit. With the kind of weird, I mean, like a sil- it looks like a silver Ferengi. <laughs> All right, so. He, he does look fucking creepy. <laughs> Oh, God. We need to do that sometime. We need to do like a like like a viewing, like a live viewing of of Buck Rogers because I still haven't seen that. Did I say Buck Rogers? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be fucking awesome. I would be totally down with that. Yeah, Major Barrett would be a great system agent. Who the the Star Trek onboard uh, computer voice? Oh yeah, that'd be a good. Yeah, one. yeah. The, I can see that. Um, she played. Um, the mother of uh, Laksana Troy. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Here's... Well, at no, any her rate... name was Laksana Troy. <laughs> at any I... rate, Max is the uh, is is sort of like the replacement to H. This is the feeling that we get um, in the next part of the chapter. Um, this is something that really bothered me. I don't know if you guys sniff this out too, but. You know, one of the things that, you know, the very fucking last chapter of the book, we, I mean, we're, we're pages away from when this was uttered. 
but he tells Artemis that he loves her for her brain and all that kind of thing. I mean, clearly he loves H for his brain too, but Max is what he brings it. You know, I mean, Max is the correlation to H in this part of the story. The only time Artemis is really uttered in this chapter is checking for messages with Max. And then also right after Artemis shuts him down, he buys a sex doll. I don't know why uh-huh. that bothered me, but it did. It's lonely. Feels it's like going to a movie theater by yourself. People, at least conceptually speaking, I actually don't mind that myself. But it's it kind of has this picture of just sort of a, a sickening loneliness. Sure, and uh, I get I that. The... But like, it's just like he didn't he didn't choose, and maybe he didn't. Aaron Gray, I don't know, because he doesn't say it. But it seems like he chooses H's personality to be alongside of him. And Artemis's body in this fucking robot. Oh, oh, I see what you're getting at. I see what you're getting at. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know, I mean, he's like, oh, it reminded me of H. And then he was like, well, as soon as I stopped talking to Artemis, I bought a sex doll. It's just like, dude, fucking really? We just went over this. Not to mention, <laughs> and we'll get to this in a bit. Well, I want to cover it now because I don't really want to. I don't want to spend too much time on it because I fucking. I, it's not that I dislike this part of the chapter, but it brings me down quite a bit. Oh, when I think starts, I can see where you're getting. You know, we're, we're, he starts talking about the way that, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't feel connected to reality anymore and all that kind of thing. And Artemis brought up the point that you don't even know what love is. You know, you don't know what it's like to feel for another human being. And he's like, how the fuck could you know that? And he starts crying and whimpering and all that kind of thing. But this this chapter proves that she is 150% fucking right. Well, he doesn't fall in love with the sex bot. He just goes to sort of relieve his frustrations. And, you know, being, as he mentions here, a young adult or a teenager with teenage hormones, he goes to relieve right. that. But, but what I don't think know? at any point he was ever asking Artemis to, hey, let's let's go to the Pleasure Dome, baby. No, but, but, <laughs> but what he said is, I fell in love with your mind. Mm-hmm. But when he connects with a mind in this chapter, whose mind does he connect with? H's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the doll's just for relieving. Exactly, and it's the only point where he brings up Artemis, other than to ask if he has a message from her. So, like, it's just, to, to me, it's just this, it's, it's a very awkward statement. Like, it feels like it, if you're shorting it down and cutting out context is... Exactly. You know, Artemis equals sex doll, H equals artificial goofy AI. Well, and here's the point. You had the opportunity to say, like, I chose Erin Gray because she was like, you know, she reminded me of Artemis with the flirty banter and all that kind of thing. Mm. But he didn't do that. Yeah, instead <laughs> he, he chose Erin uh... Gray. She was distracting. He pushed her to the side. Right. And it's just like, to me, it's just a very awkward, it's, it's sort of a strange point in the book. I Like, I'm, I'm overthinking it. I totally know that. You know, I, and, and I apologize for doing that, but... I mean, to me, it was just a, it was just a weird point. I, I think it's possible to be, what is it, sapiosexually attracted to someone, where sure. you are turned on by somebody else's mind. That is a you creates a physical turn on. I mean, it's just Chris, a chemical we're, we're, trigger. We're talking about the book, not your relationship with me right now. All right. Oh well. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that out. Uh, I think it's possible to, to to move from this thing of saying 
I'm I'm in love with this person, and let's he was at the very least in love with the kind of person that she was portraying herself as in the Oasis, her avatar. But I don't think he was just attracted to her avatar. I think he realized after getting the sex doll that it just it at the end of the day he was a virgin masturbating with a piece of equipment. And I think that's mm-hmm. the saddest part is that when you when you are tossed off to the side by someone that you are really in love with and really attracted to in a number of directions, anything else is less. Anything else is is toast without butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he even loses interest in that. Like the saddest part here is he's like, you know, I turn to this other thing, which is absolutely no replacement, and he totally loses interest. If anything, in my mind, it proves that he had this sort of sapiosexual attraction to her because the doll he tries and tosses to the side. Yeah. It and didn't it, do any it eventually but he still didn't goes do anything back for to us. Spanking the monkey the old fashioned way. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> but so we've got the exercise portion in between these two things, but we're 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 connecting these two things on purpose. Again, it ties back to his disconnection from reality. You know, where where he realizes, I think in that moment that like this is me you know, pumping a lubed up robot is the way he describes it. But I think there's some sort of, there's some sort of connection with him to reality where like, fuck, like she was right. Right. Like here's, well, I don't like there. I'm this guy, but here I am nothing. Yeah. He definitely goes into that. This, this level of being absolutely nothing without the awaits. He doesn't even consider reality, the real world. Right. And he talks about how he just wants to avoid it at all costs. I mean, like, I can understand why that is. Because he thinks, like, it's almost like he thinks less of his own mind outside of the Oasis. You know what I mean? Because he's not talking to anybody, except for Max. But, I mean, it's was, just, he's in this, like, old. it's a very bizarre conflict. I, I think that if you associate your value with the people who value you, uh, you can lose yourself. You know, sure. if people don't value you in one frame, in one place, in one part of your life. Whenever you're in that part of your life, you feel valueless. And when you're with, for example, with him, when he's in the Oasis, he feels all powerful, like nay treated like a, a freaking god. nay a god. Nay a god. <laughs> nay a god. He, and, he's got some type of weird <laughs> superiority complex thing going on here. It's as um, if coming but, out of his rig and seeing himself in the mirror. Is, is him saying, in this realm, I'm nobody. And as a result, I feel like nobody. Like, his this, value is not based on him. His value is based on the world that he's in in, the, in any given moment. What struck me about the part when he talks about looking himself in the mirror and not liking what he sees. But then later in the chapter, he talks about how um, he's been working out and he does the, the software lockout and he gets into the best shape of his life. So by every measure he should actually for once in his life like what he sees in the mirror but he still right. doesn't yeah because it's a personality thing yeah it's like you can look good and still and still fucking, fucking hate, hate yourself. yourself yeah yeah <laughs> and that's where he's at I mean, because like, he's alienated everybody in his fucking life he is like it just hits that point that he is just at the fucking lowest of lows. Yeah, you know, I mean, like even with the, his his passphrase, <laughs> which well, this was, is a, this is a really good point to bring in. Um, when I was interviewing Ray, 
Angie Ray, the OG, original Gunter. Um, she brought up this. She told me this funny fucking story, but it's it's it, it relates so well here. But um, they were listening. They were I can't remember where they were going, but they were listening to they were listening to the audio book, and the part came up where uh, Wade said, "Nay, a god." And Angie's daughter goes, sit the fuck down, Wade. <laughs> like, just, like, that was her response to it. And it's true. And, like, you get the feeling at this moment that, it, like, even in his most prideful moment, he knows he's being out-fucking-rageous. Because he goes from being the lowest of lows to, like, even calling himself... He's not quoting anybody. He's calling himself a god. Well, H did, did yeah, call him a god. That's true. That's so, true. The reference of of I'm the Gunter not worthy. Realm, yeah, yeah, and it very specifically Where's said we're a fucking suck. god here, <laughs> and to to take that in and actually incorporate that into his belief system. Yeah, uh, I gotta wonder if this is the same kind of thing that people who get into the entertainment business who who are worshipped by huge audiences. Let's just say, like rock and roll, for example, where you have huge fandom, and that wanes. And the kind of depression a person can get into as far as the value of their craft and the kind of person they are, whether or not they can continue to produce good work. Just uh, the level of value being measured in how many people are buying your albums mm-hmm. and and how many people are coming to your concerts. And then as that starts to wane and dwindle, whether a person's self-value starts to dwindle as well. Sure. Hence the immense amount of drug abuse in that community. Right. Sure. I could see it starts starts off with trying to keep up the energy and ends off with trying to dull the pain of feeling like you suck. Of the post-apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so to tie this all up in a neat little bow here, uh, we talk about the exercise of regimen in the Oasis. Um, unless you guys have anything really deep to delve in here, uh, it's it's it's... You know, I'll just kind of briefly explain it. Basically, what it is is he's locked out of the Oasis unless he uh, meets a certain exercise benchmark. Uh, Every day he has to exercise a certain amount to get himself into the Oasis. Otherwise, he won't be able to log into his account. And it's it seems like something that could definitely happen. I could see this being part of some sort of, you know, bad diet or something like that because it even picks out his food form and everything like that. Um, I, I think it's rather guys, ingenious. I think it, it is sounds too. Sounds fucking brutal. You're taking something that he's addicted to and you're he can't even go to fucking work. It'd be like you couldn't start your car unless, <laughs> unless he met like exercise requirements. And and he he hits all the things like in normal exercise requirements it, it removes the need for self-discipline because the minute you turn it on it's it's active for two months. There's not a damn thing you can do. Mm-hmm. It tracks all of your food intake. If you override it, it, it ups the requirements for how much you work out by knowing what you've eaten when you don't eat what you're supposed to. Right. Uh, that's just, uh, it's just brilliant because yeah. and I've gone through a number of diets <laughs> and, and I'm not a rules person by any stretch of the imagination. So the minute some rule is implied on me by myself, I, I'm kind of like, fuck it. I'm going to break that. Fuck rules. It's just a part of my brain that just does not jive well with something else trying to put a, a control on me. Sure. 
and, uh, you know, the desire to want to do something, but then having the instinctual desire to say, well, fuck that. Here you can't do that. And it's rather brilliant in its effect in that he even calls it his, does he call it his ritual? Yeah. It becomes his ritual. ritual. Yeah, yeah. I thought the whole thing about the uh, the treadmill track was really fucking cool. But I thought that it was a missed opportunity. Why not use that as a means of you know studying for his, for the quest like couldn't he create or find a simulation where you're actually doing something meaningful to like we were talking about like uh um different challenges in the oasis like why couldn't he run through a simulation of uh and ferris bueller's day off trying to get back to the house or mm. breakfast club running through the school to avoid the principal um you know, or doing simulated fight scenes and battles from games and movies, uh, things like that, and have that be part of your simulation uh, as part of your exercise. Or your stairmaster is going up the stairs with the Ghostbusters to go be, to go fight Gozer, you know, shit like that. Like well, that would be awesome. You see, and this is a okay. So <laughs> running the, up the steps in the context, <laughs> yeah, that's <was> awesome. <laughs> In the context of the entire book, we didn't have it at the time, but after but Wade says, after they go through the uh, the war game simulation, he says this would become known as the flick sync after the technology was released, knowing you know that after the you know egg was found or after the contest. So flick syncs didn't exist until after the contest, or at least after the first game, right. Which seems fucking bizarre to me. You can simulate entire universes, but you just now got to the point where you can simulate a movie? But, okay, so maybe you don't have flick syncs, but surely there's a planet called Gozerian, and it's got (laughs) New York, and you can run around shooting ghosts. (laughs) They have the planet Goondocks. It's something that can be simulated in some fashion. So, I mean, why not run through... Mario, Super Mario Brothers, and hit the bricks and get coins. You know, stupid That'd be shit like that. Fucking badass. That would be awesome. Can you imagine well, like can... a three D simulation of Mario Brothers? So not far what? from that, one of the things I want to bring up is if you listen to the audiobook, and a lot of people who listen to this show, you know, if you're into podcasts, you're probably into audiobooks. So a lot of people who listen to the show probably listen to the audiobook, didn't read the, uh, di- didn't read the actual paper book, but. Um, in in the audiobook, uh, Will Wheaton says Bifrost, the Bifrost track. B-I-F-R-O-S-T is the way it's spelled in the book. It's the way it's read by Will Wheaton Bifrost. It's actually pronounced Bifrost or Bifrost. It, it almost sounds like Bifrost. Um, and I what like it that. is, is it's the rainbow bridge that connects Asgard to Midgard. Or you know the god realm to this to to the human realm in Norse mythology. Um, I didn't know that before I read it, but it, you know every image you see of Bifrost or Bifrost in you know if you if you look it up, descri- you know it shows exactly what Wade describes. It's this winding sort of road. It's called the Rainbow Road in Norse mythology. Um, you know that 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 basically floats through space. 
uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this, it's um, it's guarded by somebody named Heimdall. And uh, he wields something called the Yallerhorn. The really cool thing is the, the Yallerhorn was what Heimdall would blow when the, uh, the end of days was approaching. And without giving away any spoilers, because we're going a chapter at a time, I think it's very interesting that there's this tie-in here. Um, because, as we'll see, you know, that, that is something that, 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 that's pretty relevant to Wade's story in the next few chapters. And it's just, it's such a brilliant use of foreshadowing to me. I mean, I, like, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, but remind me to tie back into this. It's just, for all the people out there who say, you know, Ernest Klein was just, you know, writing this, this simpleton references only just kind of, you know, book, and he wasn't really putting a lot of thought in this. There's so much thought that goes into this book that just goes completely overlooked by people. This is not a book of mindless name dropping. Yeah, there this is, is not... carefully constructed references, a- except for chapter six. Okay, maybe except for <laughs> chapter six. Yes, those. No, but but everything else is so finely crafted and well thought out. And he even like offers up details of things that like they don't come up anywhere else. But like he's thinking about the world, and like you know, people call this you know this or if this became known as that and it's the incredible amount of detail like yeah it kind of bothers me when people just shit on the book for just being reference after reference it's so much more than that it's so much more layered and definitely doesn't get the credit it deserves yeah i mean it's it's easy to just glance over something like that i mean like we 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 could have missed you know two references in this in this chapter alone that were just so well researched and just so slid in there, you know, people, people always like to say like, you know, Oh, he calls out these references. Like, yeah, I know this. There are so many that go understated and unexplained. You know what I mean? Like, like the reference to Bifrost here and then going back to, you know, I mean, even, even the name of that haptic company, um, Okagami. I mean, like, like that is just so appropriate for the book. Well, and on top of that, it, this is not the first reference he he's made to mythology, Nordic mythology specifically. Like he references his computer as being Odinware as being an Odinware sphere chassis, mm-hmm. a modded mirror black Odinware sphere chassis, and Odin the All Father hugely knowledgeable the ability to to see out beyond his his environment hanging from the tree of knowledge is gaining all of that knowledge on the brink of death just it's just there's a lot of sort of baked in reference and and just little things that you could go in and just you don't have to dig very deep to see the dotted lines connect back to the story it's it's almost scholarly i mean like like it's 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 so hard to package all of that and the, the weird thing is, is, like, you know, through extrication, just people reading classic literature and shit like that, they will pull out the finest nuances and shit, but they pass over some of the the great nuances in this book. This chapter has two of, of what I would call, if you wanted to call this just a book of baked-in references, I mean, if you miss shit like this, you're missing the point of the book entire. 
Because yeah, I think it, the point of the book is it doesn't matter if you're fucking Oingo Boingo or if you're you're referencing Norse mythology, they're all the fucking same in the grand scheme of time. Because if I were to if if, if two thousand years from now somebody finds a fucking Duran Duran tape, you know, and, and they find a way to play it back, it's as much it, it's as much mythology then as you know, Norse mythology is now, or, or, you know, I mean, old Celtic songs. I mean, it's, I think that's the point to, to a larger degree is that, you know, what's the, what's the difference between myth and fucking Voltron? It's, it's all stories. Right. The persistence of the story is really going to determine whether or not it becomes sort of a, a grander mythos. That's what I love about comics. Comics is very much like, the mythology of thousands of years ago, but it's put into a format where it doesn't have to be told from person to person. It's something that we can come back to and reference and visually specifically reference. It's going to last a long time. Our comic culture right now will be our mythos thousand years from now. Mm -hmm. We will look back on Superman and Spider-Man and Batman and Wonder Woman like the gods that we compare to in Egypt, in Egypt 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. That could be interesting. Sorry I won't be there for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to reference back to the working out part, because we kind of went to the treadmill and the tie-in to the Norse mythology with the treadmill. The part that I find interesting here is that he has potentially a system to really kill two birds with one stone here, and that is the amount of calories burned just by having sex. I mean, he's got a workout doll. He doesn't have to run, like making out. He, he could spend his time working out, finessing his f- moves in a sexual aspect, if you will, uh, practicing the unfurling of his fan for this particular peacock. You can burn 238 calories per half hour just making out. You can burn like 80 calories an hour giving someone a massage. He has all the equipment here. Like having sex is 144 calories per half hour. The sit-ups and the push-ups that he does, it's half that. It's like 130 calories per hour doing push-ups. He's an 18-year-old who's never gotten laid before. You think he's lasting a half an hour? I think he could try. I think that he has three times the amount of space to store everything. That tantric sex might be something he could figure out. Chris. Chris. What? I'm just what. saying, he has the workout equipment in his closet. You know what? Dude, throw in some haptics and do your own fucking research. Because I think we're about to tie this chapter up, my friend. Well, you know, if you got to tie one off, I understand. All right. So, wow. we, we end on the passphrase Wade uses to get into the Oasis these days, and it's no one in the world ever gets what they want. And that That's is beautiful. beautiful. A reference to. It might, might be giants. giants. Do you know what the next start. line of that song is? What is it? Everybody dies frustrated and sad, and that is beautiful. <gasps> oh, I didn't know that, but that's awesome. Holy it's shit. It's another fascinating uh, foreshadowing. But the, uh, but two lines later is, Deputy Dog Dog a Ding Dang Deputy nope. Depa. <laughs> She's going to have to wheel that back into the last line. Sorry. All right. <laughs> 
Well, there you have it. <laughs> we'll bring that up. Fuck, I love that. I'm going to go listen to that song now. I fucking love They Might Be Giants, man. Oh, yeah, my God. I'm, all right. I'm going to go listen to it. But hey, <laughs> guys, guess what? Aaron, the next what? time I talk to you, well, I guess we we might do one more episode. But pretty soon, I'll see you in Columbus, buddy. I know. Fucking A, right? <laughs> so fucking excited. And anybody out there who's going to Columbus, look us up. We'll be there. We'll be broadcasting on Twitch so you know what we look like. Um, and, We're you know, sorry I mean, in advance. Or I said Twitch. I meant Periscope. We'll be broadcasting on Periscope through our Twitter. Get a hold of us if you're going. Um, and definitely meet us at Old North Arcade. It's going to be a fucking blast, guys. Uh, we can't wait to see you there. We can't wait to meet everybody. Um, so excited about this. Can't Can't even really bottle it up but <laughs> until next time chapter 20 is coming up uh i'm ryan this is chris and i'm aaron and that is get to the good part for this week so long folks don't don't go let's start this is the worst part the belief for all the world that you are my precious little girl but don't don't go let's start i've got a weak heart and i don't get around Everybody